Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. I'm Jim Stengel, and this is Prosperity Through Purpose. In this series of the CMO podcast, I am going to take a critical look at a category or marketplace and highlight a brand that is winning through purpose. The category we will discuss today is deodorants and antiperspirants, and the brand we will focus on is secret. And if you think this is a boring, low-interest category, don't sweat it, because it could be, but brands like Secret, Old Spice, and Dove bring relevance, purpose, and product innovation to the category to keep it healthy and growing. This is a $3 billion category in the U.S., with big-name competitors like P&G, which owns Secret, and Unilever, which owns Dove. And there are also a host of startup brands like Coconut Matter, Pretty Frank, and Hume, and of course, a bevy of private label brands that position themselves as natural and aluminum-free. Joining me in this episode is Carolyn Hennessy, a former P&G executive and now an independent brand-building consultant who sometimes works with my company. Welcome, Carolyn. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, Carolyn, I believe you have a personal connection to secrets, so we may get some like inside baseball or inside scoop today. Yes, yes. Made some inroads here the last few weeks. Some sleuth work or some old friends? Yep, a little of both. And also joining us is Jeff Peacock, formerly of WPP and Omnicom, currently the co-founder of Barra, the brand technology platform. Full disclosure, I am a partner and investor in Barra. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Jim. Thrilled to be here. Jeff, you're likely not a user of Secret, but you have been in marketing for many years. Have you ever worked in the deodorant or antiperspirant category? Uh, it's a great question. Um, yes, I have, but I only remembered last night. I was thinking about it. Uh, years ago, I had actually worked on talking to young teen boys about the moments that mattered for their acts and tag relationships. And uh, it was pretty instructive. Actually, I learned, um, I learned something about personal care brands in general. Uh, and, you know, if, if there's one thing I walk away with that I, I think we might hit on a little bit today is that how often personal care brands, no matter where you are in the world, they're like armor. You know, they, they genuinely create an armor for people to feel better about things. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of experience there. Super. Is your wife a secret user? Uh, she is not, actually. She may have to be after this. Though. <laughs> right. And how about you, Carolyn? Do you, can you disclose which brand you use? Oh, secret. Definitely uh, secret. I've always used that. My three daughters are a little all over the board, um, but I am always use secret. Very good. Well, let's get let's move beyond this frivolity and introductions and get into the the case we're going to talk about. And I'm sure our listeners are probably thinking about purpose and deodorants. You know, it seems to make sense for Nike, for Patagonia, for Tesla, Peloton, but secret deodorants is this just a bunch of malarkey? So, Carolyn, I want you to start with. Why this is an interesting story regarding purpose, and what is our 
what is our kind of overall learning in this category that some would consider low interest? Yeah, I was really excited um, about Talking Secret because so many of the brands and companies I work with think that being purpose-driven is really reserved for those kind of hallmark brands that we all you know, know worldwide and that sort of thing. And I think they're a true testament to no matter what category you're in, what service, what industry, that purpose can have a big role. And I think what's exciting about Secret is they've been a leadership brand for so many years, and um, they have done it by staying a deodorant. And I find when I go and work with various companies, they think the only way to grow is to extend, 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 and quickly move to adjacencies and all that sort of thing. And sometimes that's the right thing to do, but there's so much more running room with brand building and what purpose can do um, for you. And I think they've really um, figured figured that out, along with continuing to bring good products to market. Um, mm-hmm. They've really realized the power of purpose to unleash their brand building. Well, we're going to talk a lot about that over the next few minutes. But Jeff, I want to turn to you. You've been studying the data and the insights from the Barra software platform in this category. So what's the platform telling us about Secret and how it's grown and where it's grown, its brand equity, its business, its Mm -hmm. its perception of being purpose-driven by consumers? So as you sort of dive into the platform, what's popping out? It, it's there's actually a lot that's that's uh, popping out that's interesting and and I have to be honest I I was surprised uh, because I don't have a lot of background with Secret and so when I started digging into it um, naturally I wasn't surprised when I saw you know Dove being in the category it throws a very big shadow but what is powerful here is that Secret holds a pretty close second position um, and when we look at where that comes from. I think one of the things that that is important to keep in mind, right? If you look at the success, it's grown. The category overall, it continues to grow, but we're seeing we're seeing a, a I think a softer growth rate than we've seen historically. And we're seeing volume going to a larger number of newer, smaller brands. And some of the advanced work we've done, specific to Secret, in fact, not even with this, but some other stuff we've done just on our own we found that a lot of the sales growth for Secret was coming from females 35 and over. And every brand knows you've got to recruit new folks into your brand uh, to secure your future. So if you look at continued success and more growth, I wanted to look at females 18 to 34, um, who frankly, down the road, they're going to need to take up a larger proportion of sales. Now, the good news in this is because historically, they just weren't as strong. Um, the perceptions were, were, I'd call them you know, acceptable in the category, uh, but they've warmed up. So, and that's exactly where you want to be. Um, there was a dip, I think, a few years ago. I saw it in 2015, 2016, around there, and a recovery beginning in 2017, where the growth rate now is actually quite high and in line with what you'd see brands like Dove or brands like Bath and Body Works who tend to sit at the higher end of volume. Um, I think to summarize it really, that secret right now in a market where some of the more storied legacy brands might be declining, secret's holding its ground. And that is as powerful as growth in a market where particularly times right now, you have to be careful with 
what you're doing and, and where you're spending your money. But I, I, I do think that near and competitors like Degree um, had been holding court in a similar position and they seem to be declining while Secret's holding, holding its position. I mean, the, if I have to go uh, two steps deeper, if I may, one, um, CPG brands have a, a pretty hard time often differentiating themselves, right? It's, it's pretty common to hear that. And in the interestingness of the, the story that I was finding with Secret is that uniqueness has been edging up. And that doesn't happen easily, right? When you, when you already have relatively high uniqueness, it's difficult to edge out little bits. And they've happened to do that among 18 to 34s, right? Our growth audience. So when you go a step deeper and try and figure out, well, what's driving that? Uh, something really fascinating occurred, and I hope we get time to talk about it today, which is um, we measure a host of different contributors to equity overall, right? Some of those are purpose-related, as you know. Some are emotional or personality attributes. Others are functional attributes. And one of those personality attributes is intelligent. And there has been, I, I honestly don't think, and I've spent a lot of time obviously in our platform over many years, and I have not often seen an upward shift like I saw in intelligent among 18 to 34s for secret. So uh, three years ago, they were lagging the category. Um, they've removed that gap. And that says a lot about the type of investment that's going into the brand. Uh, and while I don't think we're seeing as much change on, let's call it wallet share, hearts and minds of 18 to 34s have changed. Wallet, not yet. But uh, I don't think that's a lost cause. I mean, one of the things we also know from our advanced analytics on the category is there's anywhere from a three to four quarter lag on sales catching up to changes in equity. So it feels like they're on the right track. Hmm. I'm going to bring Carolyn in a minute on what they might be doing to drive this. But what I'm taking away is they've been strong among women, 35 plus. They're gaining an 18 to 34. Their uniqueness store scores are going up. And they've made a difference in this intelligent area. Could you talk a bit more about what does that mean? I mean, put that in language that I could talk about, you know, with my aunt. So if they're, if they're getting more intelligent, does it mean their products are getting better or they're getting, you know, what, what, what's, take that apart a bit for us. Sure, uh, for sure. Um, here's how I'd break it down for you. Um, intelligent is, is an attribute where we're seeing it. And intelligent ladders up to this bigger idea factor um, called competence, right? And it's exactly what you would expect it to mean, right? Uh, confidence, reliability, security, brands that are hardworking and brands that are intelligent. And, you know, the way we often talk about this, because those definitions slightly shift and change depending on the category. But if we just talk about generally in, you know, very human terms, um, LeBron James is competent. Google is competent. Verizon, in fact, is competent. And you have to think of excellence in delivery. I think, I mean, that that's the way I tend to think about it. Proficiency. Um, and if I stretch a little bit, these can be the brands that are guides for other brands, right? They're the, they're the brands that others watch. Um, so now, understanding that, if I talk about intelligence, which is basically doubled for secret over about three years, uh, competitive weakness is gone. Uh, I actually looked into, because we can do this, the, the data stream has real people 
behind it. So I got the real voice. Um, I'm not going to play it for you, but uh, it, it's it, in essence, intelligence. And here's a quote. Uh, let me look at it to make sure I get it right. It's the ability to understand and influence through innovative solutions. And I think that's really powerful. That, that came from the mouth of a real person taking a real survey. In fact, a few people said ideas around that. And so, you know, when we summarize it, we talk about looking at problems in different ways, having different perspectives, embracing, and not just embracing change, but cultivating it. Um, and if, if you think of George Lucas, if you think of Nest, right, home automation mm -hmm. products, these are people and products or services that go above, they transcend traditional thinking and points of view. And, I, and, and so when you're thinking about secret and intelligence, I think it is about changing the way people think about maybe topics or issues or causes that they haven't thought about the same way before. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. So, I mean, net, they're doing some things that are unusual in CPG. They're changing some metrics that are pretty unusual. So Carolyn, I know you've talked to some people on the team. You studied this. What are they doing to drive this progress? And what could others learn from that? Yeah, they're, they're doing quite a bit. And I, they had done um, a lot in the past. And then I talked back um, with, with the people who've been on the business the last couple of years, and they've really ratcheted it up. And it's showing, and as Jeff uh, shared with uh, the data, it's showing in the data and sharing in their business results, uh, entering their third year of growth. Uh, so they've been quite psyched about that. Um, I think a couple things. First of all, what I'll say is their their purpose is authentic to them. They've always been a champion for strength in women. And it started even in the 1950s when they launched their first ad, TV ad, showed a working woman uh, going out on stage. And you can imagine the context at the time there. Then through the 70s and 80s, I think really mainly the 80s, they had that strong enough for a man but made for women. They've always shown a more progressive edge. They showed a stay-at-home dad and a mom rushing through the airport and calling uh, back to the family in the 90s. So there, there's a strong resonant positioning there. Um, so it comes from a place of um, authenticity. The way they're articulating their purpose is about emboldening and uniting women so they can take on high-stress moments. So embolden emboldening, I can't say it, emboldening <laughs> and uniting, to embolden and unite women so they can take on high-stress moments. And so what are they doing? What have they done the last couple of years? They've really stepped it up to become a protagonist or an advocate to change the mindset around women's equality in pay and representation. They've sharpened it and, and galvanized it around a uh, an idea that everyone that's culturally resonant and is highly inspiring to them creatively and um, to the organization itself. And what they've done are two major things. One is hardwiring it into their campaign. Their new campaign the last year or so has been this all strength, no sweat campaign. And the all strength, no sweat is about showcasing women claiming their place in sports, in business, in entertainment, featuring real live 
women who are doing just that. Swin Cash, who was a WNBA star, and now she's an executive in, with a male professional um, basketball team. Jesse Reyes, a, a young artist who wrote and sang and, and starred in their first uh, commercials. They've committed to make all their music be written and, and performed by women. Um, so they've hardwired it in. It's not extracurricular activity is purpose activation. They've made it part of their core message and linked it really well to their product and to their positioning. The second thing that they've really done is they've gone beyond just getting a great campaign. I feel like so many brands, they their motivation in getting clear on their on their um, purpose is to create their new campaign and. That's great. That's a great starting point. But they've, to me, have taken it the step further and they've um, really stepped it up with protagonism and um, in their words and action. So they've done things like um, a year and a half ago, if you recall, when the U.S. Uh, women's national soccer team made a big play to get equal pay, kind of Billie Jean King style, and did not succeed. And Secret stepped up and said, we're going to give the over $500,000 to close that pay gap versus the men. Um, so they made a very overt act there. Um, last holiday, they did a big push on women's own, women-owned Wednesdays for women-owned business and um, did a big online and Instagram uh, push to, to make those connections. And then finally, I think what's really exciting and so needed at this time, they've really just launched their Raise It Up campaign, and that is to address um, women who have been affected disproportionately, women of color, frontline workers, um, often single mothers, and they are providing some direct financial assistance through the YWCA um, with a million over a million dollars in donation to help with job retraining and child care. So really getting to the core of the the needs of all women of all walks of life out there who need the support of the brand. So the, I think those are the mm -hmm. the big actions they've taken that are that are both in their core message and in additional um, acts against a specific mission. I mean, it's rooted in this purpose that is probably 60 years old or so, and they've changed their execution of it over time. Have they made any mishaps? I mean, it sounds like a pretty good story. They're an old brand. They're growing. They're hitting the right kind of metrics. Yeah, they they have, as a matter of fact. Um, so what they they lost their way a little bit, as Jeff's data uh, showed they lost their way a bit, and they they analyzed and went back. When I talked to uh, the brand leader, and I'll tell you more about her a, a little later, hopefully. Um, but they went back and took a look at what's going on and what do they need to do. Two of the things were, I'd say, fundamental brand building things we all know, um, but they realized they had lost their um, iconic blue color and through line extensions and that sort of thing, they started diluting it. So they really are doing work to reclaim the blue, the distinctive blue, the ownable blue, uh, that they've been known for over the years, which by the way, complements their purpose of blue conveying stability and strength and that sort of thing. So it even has, you know, underpinnings that connect to the brand as a whole. 
And then secondly, they've launched, as Jeff mentioned, uh, there's little brands, DTC brands, and nibbling at the sides with these kind of uh, more natural offerings. Well, to they've come out with an essential oils line, and they've come out with a, a aluminum-free line. And to do that at the standard that keeps the performance that they've always been known for, they've had that innovation, which is, a, I'm sure, going to be a big help um, for them. But um, the third thing that they've done is I forgot. <laughs> so hold on, let me find this. Oh, here it is. Okay. So there's a third thing. The third thing is how they portray women. So overall, they know they support women and they've been an advocate for women. But when they looked back at what had been being communicated over the last eight years, um, they realized they were not always showing women supporting women. They were showing cattiness and competitiveness versus support and encouragement. So they wanted to rectify that. And then they also realized they th- there's all these high-stress moments that they want to be there for women in, but they realized they were focusing so much on the struggle and not on the rising to the occasion and so some of their ads were probably not, um, they were showing the high stress and relatable and empathetic and in touch with what they knew, but they were portraying just the struggle and not the success. So they really have made an intentional effort to get that um, back in line and much more overt about that. Yeah. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. You said a minute ago that we might talk about the team a little bit later, and I would like to open that up a bit. You know, there's, I, w- I want to talk a bit about the culture on the secret team within PNG. PNG is obviously the big mega uh, company, but Secret's one of their many brands. And I want, uh, I want first Jeff to talk a little bit about is do you see in your data across many brands that people actually do? notice and value and believe and 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 are interested in the culture behind a brand and the people behind a brand will they change their purchase decisions because of that does it pop up in your metrics as something that is important it's a good question um the short answer is yes um we actually specifically measure uh employer brand right perceptions of an employer brand but um it's it's not as simple as that i mean i i think um your question around culture is critical because I look at it in two ways. Um, the first one is companies and the people who make decisions for brands and products hold a certain set of values, um, and that reflects on the employer. And whether those connections are direct uh, or implied, uh, there is invariably a link back to that, and people do uh, vote with their feet. Uh, we've seen it with many different brands, right? And, and sometimes those raise uh, to the uh, heights of PR disasters, right? Where you've seen uh, uh, companies will remain nameless, but some folks who 
at some point have made decisions to manufacture in parts of the world which uh, under conditions that are less than uh, preferred, uh, they have problems as a result. So I think that's a direct reflection of culture. We do measure it. I think the other thing too, though, is brands start from the inside and then move out. Uh, but there's also a feedback loop, right? And the outside also influ influences inside. And it's hypercritical that large organizations that can often be a little bit insular, um, that they're borrowing from outside culture. So, you know, an example I was reading about last week uh, with P&G, uh, it's just coincidence I'm bringing up P&G, but, you know, their acquisition or their attempt to acquire uh, a company like Billy, right? And the reason they're doing that, obviously, is to bring in um, certain traits and characteristics that can cascade across the internal culture as well. Um, you know, leave, leave the business case out of that and whether it's, it's good or bad, um, it, it goes back to your initial question. Yes, absolutely. And I think companies recognize that and they're making decisions in line with that. So Jeff took us through some principles and it seems like consumers do care and vote. Carolyn, what, I know you, you've talked with the secret people, you've, you've met with them uh, virtually. What, what, can you, what can we learn about what's happening in that brand for it to keep growing and keep doing such innovative and progressive marketing? Yeah. A couple things with regard to that, I think you know one of the reasons for identifying and discovering and activating your purpose is to inspire your organization and get that what do you get out of bed in the morning for and I saw that when i when I was working with them closely at the end of the two thousand eight two thousand ten in that area, I saw it happen then. Um, and Janine Maletic, if you um, remember her, she was leading the brand at that point in time and still is involved with the brand. And once they had the the couple meetings to to discover, articulate, and begin thinking about how to activate it, it was like they were unleashed and and their antenna was up for opportunities is what I noticed over the next year or year and a half with them. So for instance, um, they went and sponsored Diana Nyad, the 64-year-old woman who was the first person, man or woman, to swim from Cuba to Florida without a shark cage. And they supported her on her last two or three attempts to do that and her final success to do that. They um, they started a petition to get um, Lindsey Vaughn and get uh, the two 2014 Winter Olympics to have women ski jumping, which is kind of unbelievable that that didn't exist for women in 2014. So they really got behind that. And they had the insight of what holds girls back often starts in the teen years. There's, you know, the, the, the new consumers, but the the, that kind of girl-on-girl -girl bullying. And I would say this was a little bit before bullying was as um, prevalent as it's become in the past 10 or 12 years as a as a societal thing that they took on and created a whole big program that they still have today called Mean Stinks um, and trying to undo girl-on-girl -girl bullying. So all that has been in their culture and in their DNA and has been unleashed. And then I had the pleasure of meeting a brilliant young woman named Sarah Saunders, um, and she is really their brand builder, brand artist these days. And I want, you know, I want to note that there's many, many people on their team who are contributing to their success. But she was the she was the one who kind of talked me through what they've been doing lately. And 
I was so impressed with her. And part of it was she made a very fearless and bold recommendation um, to the leadership of the of PNG that they wanted to take the creative reins of the brand back within the brand, um, which I don't know that that had been done before um, at, by another brand at PNG. It had never been in my, you know. They wanted to take the creative direction away from an ad agency they were working with, I suppose, and bring it internal. Exactly. So they are now driving the bus. They're connecting with those they need to get it all done. But they wrote that campaign. They filmed some of it in the general offices at PNG. The, the, she said her and the brand manager shot the ads that we now see on television, both of them nine months pregnant, involved in directing, helping direct the ads. So that I just imagine being a multifunctional person or a junior person working on that team. And I would think there's a real openness for bold ideas, for new ideas, for opportunities um, that they're bringing forth. Um, so I think it's had a profound impact uh, on their team and quite exciting. Hey, I want to helicopter up as we get toward the end of this podcast and, and, and ask a really interesting question. I think many of our listeners, uh, it would help many of our listeners. Secret is competing in this category against Dove, which in our industry is a brand that so many people will say has been a, the pioneer in brand purpose. They've been at it about 20 years. It's multi-category. It's obviously a Unilever brand. They've like tripled their size in starting this purpose journey. So Secret's competing against an icon, what can we learn about how they've differentiated themselves and they are growing while competing against a force who spends a lot of money, has a great purpose, does great symbolic acts, has been very consistent on their purpose. So Jeff Carolyn, maybe Jeff, you start, what, you know, any, any learning from that that you think would be uh, parallel learning for others who are in a similar situation? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'd even go beyond icon and I'd say that they have and continue to be a vanguard. Mm -hmm. Um, very powerful. Um, yeah, I, you know, again, in digging through this data to try and find that, I mean, it's a tough spot to be in, you know, literally held up against, um, exactly as you said, an, an icon or a vanguard. And, um, but what was interesting for Dove is that, you know, relative to, some of the things that they really, really stand for very, very strongly. They are very strongly associated with inclusivity, for example. Um, but at the same time, and, and I think Carolyn brought this up before too, while they have a strong leadership position on protagonism, um, so you know, having a strong point of view and not just holding it, but projecting it outwards and doing so in a way that's culturally relevant. Sure, they've done it, but relative to things like inclu inclusivity, it's not as prominent. Um, so the entire category sits in that sort of space where they're not double-clicking on that one. And I would say that that is an opportunity because what it, what it tells me is that because Secret has a lot of headroom on protagonism, they've done it, they've been doing it for years, but there's a lot of room to grow on that one in the category. That's a place to spend their time, particularly because they stand for things that are so clear, contrasty, and powerful, particularly going back to the 18 to 34 audience, they respond to that. My question would be, are they in all the places they need to be 
to make sure that that protagonism is fully ingested by the audience that they want picking them off the shelf. Mm -hmm. Carolyn, that's great, Jeff. Carolyn, anything to add to that in terms of your learning from this case for others? Yeah, I think Jeff is spot on. Uh, while I shared how generative their their purpose is for acts and things they could do, they might benefit from having a signature um, ca signature cause, a signature effort uh, to really break through and get recognized for versus they're, they've done lots of things, but is it breaking through the clutter, the noise to, pe to people and particularly these 18 to 34 year olds? The other thing I'll share, I have three 18 to 34 year olds, all three daughters, all in their 20s. And when I told my most, I'm going to call it my most values-oriented, you know, meaning purpose-driven daughter, not, you know, the other two have their beautiful gifts as well. But her first question was, is it performative? And I was like, what do you yeah, mean by story. that? And she said, I don't know. I haven't seen it anywhere. I, I haven't seen what they're talking about. So I, I, my aha a little bit was, unless this is where I am, on the podcasts I'm listening to, on the shows I'm, I'm watching, um, in the places I am, then I, I'm not going to trust it necessarily. So I think really taking a look at who they want to attract specifically within those areas and finding the right places, the right friends to be with, the right mm -hmm. context to be with um, can make a big difference towards it. Um, breaking through clearly from Jeff's data and from what the, the brand has told me, they're making inroads with um, 18 to 34 year olds, with African-American women. They're doing that, but if they could step it up another level um, with more, call it micro targeting and micro context, I think they'd, they'd even see more success. No, that's great advice. I would add one more. I, I think both brands they are in the same category. Dove is in more categories than they are, but they do have a very different personality. And Dove has been very much about real beauty and authentic beauty and beauty from the inside out. Secret is a bit more strength and, uh, you know, get in there, do it, confidence. That's, you know, so they are in different spaces with, I would say, a different purpose in a different way they're activating it. So I think the learning is if you're going to be in a category against someone as powerful as Patagonia or Dove or Nike, you better have some space carved out that's important and relevant and big enough for you to meet your business goals. Last, last question is I'm going to ask each one of you from your engagement in secret and you looking at the data and looking at what they're doing, what's the one piece of advice you would share to our listeners that they should take and apply to their business from what we've just been talking about for the last 30 minutes or so. Carolyn? Yes. Well, I would say discover your purpose. And if you've done that before and you're not taking actions to begin learning how to activate it and viewing it as a journey to, to, to get there, it's time to take some action because writing it on paper and getting the next campaign out is not fully leveraging the brand building power of purpose and purpose activation. So I think that that galvanizing, focusing, and making efforts to do something about it um, is the key. 
Super. Jeff? So one, just one, huh? Um, just one. Well, if you have two, I mean. No, no, no. I, okay. Let me, I'll, I'll count. I'll, I'll lay the bed. I'll, I'll, what is it? I'll make the bed and then I'll put <laughs> my story in it. Okay. So given that the podcast is prosperity through purpose, right? I want to be a little self-serving. Um, I want to reinforce the, the fact that, you know, there's a brand to business truth that the bear was based upon. Um, and that, that growth in brand equity is something that propels financial reward. And the contribution of purpose to that reward cannot be overstated. I talked to our uh, head of data science today, knowing I was getting on this call. And I'm like, what's the contribution? You know, because we've, we've been uh, reported in financial documentation and journals lately. And I wanted to get that one number. And, and can you guys believe, I mean, about 60% of the variation in equity, our, our Barra score is our highest order equity metric. 60% of the variation in equity comes from uh, differences in purpose. So with that, and based on what we were talking about, so I made the bet, and now I'm going to give you the point. So based on that, um, if you are a brand that is investing in, but potentially under transmitting the relevance of, of your purpose and what you stand for, you know, you need to stand up for those things. You need to ensure that what you're doing, because you believe in it, is not just understood, but received in all the places that, you know, you, your audience is engaging. Then you're a part of their life. Um, you become a part of emotionality. And that's, the, that's, that's when things remain in the brain. Um, so, uh, you know, being as many, uh, places where the brand can radiate that purpose. And that means hit all the touch points, stand for what you're going to stand for, but don't just talk about it, do it and make sure everyone knows about it. A wonderful conversation, Carolyn, Jeff, thank you. I thought this was extremely helpful, very inspiring. And talk about a, a case on the strength of purpose, driving results. And Jeff, that was a beautiful way to wrap it up. And I just hope for both of you, this wasn't too stressful, talking about deodorants and antiperspirants <laughs> live with me today on our Prosperity Through Purpose episode. But thanks so very much. Very generous with your learning. And, and, and we so appreciate it. Thanks to you. Appreciate it. Thank you. The learning in this case is how to compete in a category that's very cluttered with strong competitors. Secret is winning because it has a very clear purpose and brand positioning. It activates it creatively. It's been consistent over decades and it has a culture on the team that is relentless about its purpose and relentless about creative, interesting, culturally relevant activations over time. That is going to do it for this episode. To learn more about Barra Group, visit their website, barra.ai. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and please tell a friend. Prosperity Through Purpose and the CMO Podcast are a Gallery Media Group original production. <laughs>